You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 158. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield, and today we are talking about saving sales and rescuing refunds. Now, before we get into the strategies, insights, and tips that I prepared for you today to help you keep more profit in your business, I want to tell you a quick story. Now, sometimes in your business, you got to get scrappy. And I mean, roll up your sleeves, get your hands in the dirt kind of scrappy. Because when push comes to shove, sometimes you need to leave your ego at the door and do whatever it takes. Now, for those of you who have just started your online business, maybe you've been at it for a year or two, you're laughing at me right now thinking, Amy, my middle name is Scrappy. That's all I do every single day. I get in the trenches and I do whatever it takes. And believe me, I remember those days, so I totally get it. And for those of you who have been at it for a while, I'm sure you too can remember those early years when you just had to get scrappy. And I bet even if you've been in business for four or five, six years like me, you also have those moments where you still got to do whatever it takes. Something happens, it's not going as planned, and you just got to roll up your sleeves and get scrappy. And that's exactly what my good friend Jasmine Starr recently did. So in this episode, I'm not actually interviewing Jasmine. I just want to tell you a quick story about her. And if you don't know Jasmine, she actually was on my show a little while back when we talked about attracting and repelling your ideal customer avatar using social media. One of my favorite episodes ever. I'm going to link to it in the show notes if you missed it. But the reason I wanted to bring up Jasmine is because since that episode, we have become really good friends, the kind of friends who talk every single week. Actually, we don't talk. We voice text. I know, kind of weird, but that's our thing. We literally have hour-long conversations back and forth, but we're voice texting the whole time. And the thing about Jasmine is that she is a very fast talker. I mean, the fastest talker I've ever met. And she's animated and kind of dramatic in a really fun way. And so every time she leaves me a voice text, it's like, I'm so excited to listen to it. And I was in the kitchen a few weeks back and she left me a voice text. I don't even remember what it was about. It was either about her amazing eyelashes, her recent launch, her dog polo. I don't remember, but we talk about it all. And so I pressed play and I was listening to her talk a mile a minute, totally animated. And my husband Hobie walks in the kitchen and he hadn't met Jasmine yet. And he said, who is that crazy person talking? And of course I just had to laugh. And I told Jasmine, he said this and she said, don't let him listen to my voice text. I'm sure he thinks I'm crazy when he hears those, but they're really fun to listen to. And recently she did a launch, a launch for her program path to profitability. And I was excited for her to go into this launch because she had worked really hard on the content and on the actual launch assets. She created a three-part video series, put tons of time, energy, and money into this launch. She was really going full out, which I love. And I knew that the content was exceptional. So I told her, this is going to be your best launch ever. I got to watch the launch videos ahead of time. I loved every second of them. I just was really excited for her. And so the three-part video series came out and then the cart opened and I called her the next day and I said, how's it going? And she voice texts back and said, not so well. And I could hear it in her voice. She said, Amy, it feels like my launch opened up to crickets. Like no one's listening. We've had some sales, but nothing like what I thought was going to happen. And so the next day I checked in, she said, still not going so well. So I thought, well, I'm going to let her come to me. I don't want to keep texting or saying, how's it going? How's it going? So I hadn't heard from her for a few days and I got really worried. And so finally I called her up and I said, give me an update. And she said, well, things have turned around. Thank God. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought this was all going downhill. And I said, well, what did you do? And as she told me what she did, I realized Jasmine and her husband, JD, who's her business partner, what they did is they got scrappy because 
things weren't going well in the first few days and they weren't really sure why. So what they decided to do was to personally answer every single question, comment, objective, worry that was related to their launch sequence. So when someone posted on social media, they would answer back personally and give a really insightful response to that person. When someone wrote into their support desk, Jasmine or JD would answer every single email. So not their VA, not their team. They got in the trenches for about a full week. She said, Amy, there were days that we never left our family room. All we did was answer questions, like thousands of questions, one-on-one to people. And when she told me this, I thought, holy cow, that is really what's probably missing in most people's live launches. They're not personally getting into the trenches because we talk so much about automation. Heck, I do. I'm moving so much of my business to automated launches. But that doesn't mean that I can't be live in the trenches, especially when my students or potential students need that extra help. So for a week, they answered every single question that was posted anywhere during the live launch. Personally, they did that. And I'm happy to say that when they closed the cart, they were way over their goal, meaning they hit it out of the park and then some. And things didn't look like that in those early few days of the launch. And Jasmine and JD had a choice. They could just say, this launch isn't going as planned. We're going to chalk it up to a big mistake. We don't know what went wrong, but it's just not producing the kind of results we thought. Or what they did instead is they just got scrappy. They did whatever it took and they made that launch a success. So the reason why I'm telling you this story is because I want to talk to you about what you can do to save the sale and also what you can do to rescue your own refunds. Because this is a crazy number, but the average refund rate for an online training program in our industry is about 20%. 20%. That is crazy, right? I don't want you to even be anywhere near this. I remember in my early days, around the time that I was still launching the Profit Lab, I would be so fixated on returns for that 30 days or 60 days, whatever it was at the time, before the refund policy ended. And I had this system where my assistant had to track every single refund that came in, tried to get a reason for why people wanted to refund. And I would just count them up and realize all this money I was losing. And I'd look at the refunds and think, what did I do wrong? Why am I getting these refunds? And at the time it was about 12%. I had a 12% refund rate and I was just devastated by it. And it was almost like I couldn't breathe until the refund policy had ended. And then I thought, okay, now I can look at how much profit I brought in and I could kind of figure out where I went wrong with all these refunds. Well, what if I told you that today my average refund rate between all three of my online training programs is a little less than 3%, less than 3%. Now, I'm not bragging because, again, I know what it felt like to have that a whole lot higher than 3%, but I figured out some strategies that work really well to ensure that people never even think about asking for a refund, and I'm going to get into those in this episode for sure. So before we get into all the insights and strategies, I have a lot to cover, and I want you to use these strategies the next time you do a live launch. Heck, you can use a lot of them for automated launches because I'm using all of these in automation and with live launches. But because I'm going to cover a lot of ground, I created a two-pager PDF where I list out each strategy and give you a little commentary about both so you can decide if that strategy is right for you and your business. I want you to use this the next time you launch. So all you need to do is go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 158 download amyporterfield.com forward slash 158 download. You can download it, save it to your computer. And then next time you launch, get this out, look over each strategy and decide if you're going to implement it for your next launch. Also, if you like to text, you can text the phrase 158 download to the number 33444. So text the phrase 158 download to the number 33444 and it is all yours. Okay. So let's dive in first with saving the sale. 
When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. So first I want to talk about why people don't buy during your promotion. And actually I want to get a little bit more specific and ask the question, why do people stay on the fence? Because it's common for someone who is actually interested in your program or service to stay on the fence during the promo and even when you are closing the cart. So when it's time to close the cart, if questions go unanswered or your potential customer doesn't feel like they're sure if they're the right fit or not, they're just going to stay on the fence, which means they never buy. Potential buyers are always looking for reasons why they are not the right fit, especially because there's a little skepticism when it comes to buying an online training program. There's some slimy people in our industry who might give this a bad name, give the online training course industry a bad name. And so some people are a little weary. Am I really going to get what you're promising? Are you really going to deliver on these results? So they're looking for reasons why they should not buy, which means throughout your promo, you want to stay focused on the top objections. I always say, look for those top three objections and then talk about them in any which way you need to talk about them. Talk about them in your Facebook Live videos. Talk about them on social media. Talk about them in your webinars or in your three-part video series. Relate back to them when you are responding to a support email. Just make sure that your potential customers know that you understand what the objections are and you are addressing them with stories, examples, experiences, insights, strategies, whatever it might take. It's your job to help them decide if they're going to jump in or jump out. And we all know that your program is not right for everybody. So I want to make sure that you do a good job of explaining who your program is right for and who it is not right for. That way you can attract your perfect ideal customer avatar to your program. Speaking of Jasmine, just one more thing that just came to mind is that when I finally talked to her when it was all over... One thing she said that I absolutely loved hearing is she said, I have the most amazing, engaged group of students in this program. And I could tell that she was overly excited, like this was the best group that she had ever attracted to one of her online training programs. And that's going to happen when you get in the trenches, when you get scrappy like her and JD actually got during that launch, you find your perfect ideal customers and you love them beyond anything you ever imagined. And we all know as educators, when we love our students, it just makes our life, our business so much more fun to be in every single day. Okay. So I'm going to give you five strategies to save a sale. Meaning that when your card is open, when the promotion is happening, these are things you can do to make sure that nobody is left on the fence when you close down your promotion. And the overall theme is less automation, more one-on-one. You want to show them that you care and that they are heard. And believe me, coming from a girl that's moving more to automation with her launches, I know it's not always easy, but I have done every single one of these strategies that I'm going to share with you. And you don't need to do them all at once. I didn't necessarily do all of these every single time I launched, but I chose the ones that made the most sense to where my business was at the time. 
So number one, I think everybody should have a live chat on their sales page. I use a tool called Snap Engage, and Snap Engage allows a live chat feature on my sales page. You guys have seen this on so many sales pages, I'm sure, where it says, hey, do you want to talk to somebody right now? Click here. And what happens is my team will get a notification that pops up on their computer that somebody wants to talk. And during my live launches, many times I've been on that live chat. I told the team, okay, log me in, help me get access to these people. And if we had a lot of questions, usually right before the cart closes, my team's answering questions and I'm answering questions. Now, in this case, this is where Jasmine and JD answered all the questions. They wanted their potential students to know, hey, I'm in this with you. I'm here. So the more you can do of this, the better. Now, remember, I'm not talking about 365 days of the year you have to do this. We're talking about during a very short, concentrated period of time when you got to clear the calendar and be totally available during that time to answer these questions. So I love the idea of a live chat on a sales page. I love the tool Snap Engage because you get a little notification, like a beep happens on your computer if you want it so that you can go about your day doing what you're doing inside your business, but then you get a notification when someone has a question. Number two, answer every single support email personally if you can, but of course, get your team involved as well. What I usually do is I will have my team elevate questions to me that they feel like, Amy, if this answer came from you, that would make a really big difference. So on my team, we talk about, okay, what kind of questions would you elevate to me? So I know during that period, I'm going to get into, we use Rhino. So I'm going to get into Rhino support and I'm going to answer specific questions that my team have pulled out for me to answer. Now, one thing that I had to get used to is this is very timely. Like I didn't want people to wait hours and hours for me to respond. So I was doing this really regularly. In addition to that, I also create an FAQ for my support team. Nowadays, my project manager, Chloe, does this. Back in the day, I used to do it where I would think of every single possible question that would come up about my program during the launch. And I would list the question and I would answer it. And so my team could see exactly how I would answer these questions and they could copy and paste and then kind of tweak it a little bit to make sure it's personal to that person. But if you go into a launch without an FAQ Google Doc for your team, you're really leaving a lot of sales on the fence for sure, because you want to empower every single person on your team to answer the questions. And then of course, they're looking for those questions they can elevate to you that just makes that person feel extra special that they're hearing from the course creator. Number three, FB lives on your Facebook page and in any groups you might have. So during a launch, I think it is paramount to do Facebook lives. That's what's working right now. And I don't think you should do any live launches without a few Facebook lives. Now you can use Facebook lives on your Facebook page as a mini training. And then you move people over to, let's say your webinar. So that's one way to use a Facebook live, but you can also use Facebook lives when the card is open for FAQs. So you get on and say, okay, the cart's closing in 48 hours. I don't want you to miss out. I want you to tell me every single reason why you're hesitant to join, and then I'll do my best to tell you if that's a valid reason or if there's another way to look at it. So you want to let them know that you're not there to just talk them into buying your program. You're there to really figure out if they are a right fit. I always love to talk about my FAQs in that way. I want to help you decide if you are right for the program. So I'm going to be here for the next hour. Any question goes, fire away. If you have a small audience, you might want to have a list of questions prepared that you just start out with. So if there's no questions to begin with, then you already have some things to talk about. Believe me, I've been there in my early years, not on Facebook Live because it actually didn't even exist when I started out. However, I've been in FAQs where I've started out with my list of questions that I came to the table with. Totally acceptable. I encourage it. Now, another thing is 
What's really popular right now, and what I've been talking about a lot, is to create these mini Facebook pop-up groups that you have going during a live launch. And you want to definitely do Facebook Lives there regularly. It's important that they see your face, they hear from you, they get their questions answered by you. So if you have a Facebook group attached to your launch, you should be doing Facebook Lives a few times a week during the launch. And then a lot of you have Facebook group communities that you've created around a general topic, those groups are great to use during a launch to do your Facebook lives as well. So any kind of group, as long as you're not overly salesy or overly aggressive inside the groups, but instead you're there as a support to make sure they know that what your program's all about, the results that you're promising and who's right for the program, and you're there to answer questions. So I think that is a must. Number four If you're doing live webinars, a lot of the time my students, because I get in the trenches with my students in my webinars course, and I know this happens, they want to sail through the Q&A as fast as humanly possible. It makes them nervous. They're concerned no one's going to ask questions or they're concerned they won't be able to answer the questions. They don't necessarily love dealing with the technology of Q&A when they're really new at webinars. And what I tell them is, you are missing out on a huge opportunity to connect with people that are on the fence. So I believe the biggest fence sitters are those during a webinar that are still there during your Q&A and they may or may not be asking questions, but they're listening intently. Hopefully they're asking questions. So what I've learned is that when I am doing a webinar during a live launch, I've already sold my program during the end portion of the webinar. I'm getting into the Q&A. There have been times that I've stayed a full hour during the Q&A just to answer every single question that comes through. And when I'm answering these questions, I'm always relating it back to the program, who the program is right for, who it's not right for. I tell stories during Q&A if one of the questions spurs on a story that might be relatable to those who are listening. I just stay as long as it's needed. And there's been times that I haven't, and I have definitely seen a correlation between me staying during the Q&A to the very last question and me jumping off early we see a significant difference in sales. Now, I know that some of you doing webinars don't have a big audience on that webinar, so you don't have an hour worth of Q&A, so that's okay. But if people are asking questions, you stay and answer those questions. Because imagine if you're thinking about buying a program and you have a question and you're on a live webinar with somebody and you ask that question and they don't answer it. It kind of makes you think like, Well, if I'm not going to get my question answered here, I'm sure as heck not going to get it answered inside the program. So maybe I'm not a right fit for this. Remember, people are always looking for reasons why they shouldn't join. So if you can answer those questions, by all means, do so. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers. And I know you're doing important work. And with that, you want to make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products, and I want to talk about Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. 
Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. Number five is something I don't do anymore because my audience has gotten too big for this, which is, I know, a quality problem, but I did it even when my audience was still pretty big. And that is that we created a 1-800 number and we allowed people to call into us. Now, let me talk about the strategy. It worked like gangbusters, so I highly recommend it. So here's what we would do. This was one of the ideas that my business partner, Devin Duncan, came up with right when we first started working together. And I was a little skeptical at first, but then I tried it and I thought, okay, that works really well. So what we did is we would use Google Voice and we got a phone number. And at the end of the webinar, after I went through everything, I talked about all the free content and then I sold the program. I answered some questions. I would then say, listen, if you feel like you really want to talk to somebody If you just feel like you've got this one very specific question that you would love just to chat with somebody about before you make the decision to join the program, I have a 1-800 number. And one of my team members at one point, it was a gal named Gina and then Travinia, my assistant at the time was the person that took over that role. It was two people that knew my program really well and knew my ideal customer avatar really well. And they were good listeners and good problem solvers. So they were two people that were perfect for this role. And what I would do is I actually showed their picture on a slide on a webinar. And I said, let's say Travinia, for example, I said, Travinia is more than happy to talk to you. She knows my audience well. She knows who's perfect for this program. She knows the content well. And although I can't answer all of these calls personally, Travinia has agreed to do so for me. And so what you need to do is call this 1-800 number and you're going to leave a message and she will call you back within 24 hours. So be patient. She will get back with you, but give her a call and she'd be happy to talk with you just to make sure that you feel totally comfortable before you join the program. Now, remember, this isn't something I offered right away. It was after I had answered a few questions. And if you're still on the fence and if you really just want to talk to somebody, Travinia is happy to do so. So they saw her picture, they heard me talk about her, and then one more thing happened. I would record the greeting on that 1-800 number before they left a message. And I just had this great idea. I'm going to add the script that I wrote for this 1-800 call to the freebie for this week. So if you go to amyporterfield.com forward slash 158 download, amyporterfield.com forward slash 158 download. In that two pager where I give you the notes from this episode, I'm going to include on the third page, the script I used for this 1-800 number, because we worked a long time on this script to make sure that it covered all the bases. So if you want to see exactly what I said in the script, believe me, you're going to find that valuable if you ever want to do this 1-800 number strategy. So you can get it there but I won't give it all away here for the sake of time. But basically it was very strategic in the sense that I reviewed the refund policy. I answered some of the most frequently asked questions and I just made sure that they heard from me and they connected with me through this greeting before they left a message. And a lot of times, once they heard the greeting from me, they didn't need to ask any more questions. They felt supported and they didn't leave a message. However, If they still wanted to leave a message, I told them exactly how to do so. But I thought it was really cool that they heard from me first and I answered some frequently asked questions. So Travinia wouldn't get every single question. I actually could answer them before they even had to leave her a message. 
See how that works? So again, grab the freebie and you can read my entire script and you can use it for your own. Just put in your information and it's all yours. Now, what I'll tell you, because obviously I'm talking about this strategy, is that Travinia and Gina converted so many people. I think they just needed to feel heard and actually connect with someone to build that little last link of trust that they needed. And again, when you are saving a sale, when you are getting people off the fence, there's so many things you can do. But the theme I wanted to focus on for these five strategies is less automation, more one-on-one during your live launches. So I put all five of these strategies with a little more commentary to each of them in the freebie for this week so that you can review them one more time before you're ready to take action with your next launch. Now, I will say that there's a few ways to go the extra mile. So when we're talking about saving a sale, things you can do beyond what I've suggested to make sure that people feel that they're going to get your attention when they buy is things like adding Vox voice texting for all your students. Now, if you're thinking, what are you talking about? I want you to go back and listen to episode 153 that I did with Victoria Gibson, because she talked about ways to make your online training program even more personal to your students to go that extra mile and to stand out from all of your competition. And she talked about this thing where you would allow your students obviously it would be a a small group of students to voice text you kind of like what I talked about with Jasmine being the fast talker. They can voice text you and you can voice text them back. So it's a way to offer support while they're going through your program. Another thing you can do is offer live Skype calls. So I've talked about this before, but when my audience was smaller, when I had 30 people in my program, I would do a live Skype call with them individually in the beginning to get them going. And then at the end to give them, you know, your marching orders now that the program is over. So offering these Skype calls made the program more personal. Also, Marie Forleo does something called office hours where she actually will get on a call with the entire group, but they get to hear from her throughout the program via these office hours that of course are always recorded, but she would do them regularly during her eight week program. So it was just another way for them to connect with her. She'd connect with them in the Facebook group, but also offer these office hours. So I love that idea as well. So why I'm bringing up these things to go the extra mile is that when you are promoting your program, if they hear as part of the offer that they get to connect with you, I mean, imagine if you told them they get to voice text you, use that one sparingly, of course, maybe for an exclusive level of your program that only 10 people get access to. I don't know. You can be careful with that one. But if you offer more of you and you talk about that in the messaging, on the sales page, when you're answering questions, these are the ways I'm going to support you. Going that extra mile makes a huge difference. And if your business is still small, take advantage of the stuff that I actually can't do anymore. I wish I did more of it, but I did enough of it that I think that's why I'm at where I'm at today. The more you can offer yourself, especially when your business is small, that's how you grow into a bigger business. That's one of the components that you want to think about. So going the extra mile could make a world of difference to getting those people that are on the fence, off the fence, and into your program. Okay, so now we're going to move into rescuing potential refunds. We went over the five strategies. I put all the five strategies in your freebie for this week so you don't forget any of them. But now we're going to get into seven strategies. I've got two extra, seven strategies to rescue a potential refund. But before we get there, let's talk about refunds. What does it mean to rescue a refund? Well, in my world, and what I've noticed over and over again with my students is that buyer's remorse is real, especially in the online course world, because once you buy a day or two later, that buy high, we call it, you're, you're high on the excitement of buying this new program, it can wear off really quickly. And it can really wear off when someone has a spouse that said, are you crazy? You just spent $1,000 on a program from somebody you don't even know and you get it all digitally? Really? That's crazy. So if you have someone telling you that your decision was crazy, well, that really is going to give you buyer's remorse. And then also, You were excited in the moment, but now all those launch videos and the Facebook lives and 
the social media buzz, it's all gone away. The launch is over and you're feeling like, did I make the right decision? And usually people will start to doubt themselves and decide after they buy that, wait a second, maybe I'm not a good fit or this one's really popular. I don't think I'm ready. We get those like someone buys and then two days later, they're like, you know what? I jumped the gun. I don't, I don't think I'm ready for this because when somebody wants to change something in their lives, likely where they're starting out with is really low confidence in their ability to do so or all the past stories of all the times they've messed up before. I recently interviewed Russell Brunson and I talked about this book he has called Expert Secrets. I want everybody to get this book. You can get it for free. All you have to do is pay shipping and handling. And the reason why I want you to get this book is because he actually talks about this issue of people wanting to buy, but then they think about all the ways that they failed to get the result they want. And that screws you up when they're ready to buy your product. And he has a solution around it. So amyporterfield.com forward slash secrets. You can get the book for free and just pay $7.95 in shipping and handling. I read the book. I absolutely love it. I highly recommend it. Anyway, that was a total side note, but there's so many great strategies in that book that relate to so much of what I teach in the podcast. So I thought it would be a good compliment to what we talk about here. Okay. So getting back to this idea of people having buyer's remorse, and since it's so easy to talk ourselves out of something, even after we bought, I want you to be very aware that that is happening. Now, why do people refund? We just talked about kind of the fact that people have this buyer's remorse, but let's talk about the actual concrete specifics of why people refund. It usually has to do with confusion. So when they get in your program and the navigation is confusing, or if they feel like they're not hearing from you enough, or they're not really sure what to do or when to do it, that confusion really sets in and they think, no, this is not right for me. Or if they feel like right from the get-go, they're not going to be heard, which is why I love those ideas of building in more communication inside of your program, like the fact that they can get on Skype with you or going the extra mile with the voice texting. I mean, those are crazy strategies that not everyone's going to do, but they're going to get heard. And so that idea of, wait a second, what if I have a question and it's not going to get answered? That's not an issue if you go that extra mile. A few other reasons why people refund, they're not getting their questions answered. They feel stuck. They feel lost. They're not making progress fast enough. So their expectations are unrealistic. And if people say it's too expensive, to me, that's actually not an issue. But instead, you are not communicating the value in the way you need to be communicating it. You're not talking about moving them forward and getting results in a way that feels realistic to them. So they just revert back to, actually, this was just too expensive. Because if you think about it, if someone promised us results in an area that we really, really, really need and want to see results in, then price really doesn't become an issue. We figure out how to pay for it. So anytime someone says that any of my stuff is too expensive, I know it has something to do with these other things, confusion, not being heard, not getting their questions answered, feeling stuck or lost, not getting the momentum or progress or results fast enough because their expectations are unrealistic. I always go back to those areas and I think, how can I communicate in a different way so that I take all of those issues away so they're not even thinking about refunding? So that's my goal with this episode and in my own business I want to set things up so they're not even considering a refund. They would never want their money back because they want to be a part of my community. So let's talk about these seven strategies to rescue a potential refund. Someone that might think about a refund. These are ways to rescue that refund before it even happens. Number one, get clear on your refund policy before you launch. And I've made mistakes in this area. So let's talk about this. And the refund policy, I think, is the number one reason why I have less than 3% across all three programs. And we're talking about programs that have made me multi-millions. So we're talking about a lot of students, less than 3%. And I think the number one reason why that is, is because I finally figured out the refund policy that makes the most sense for me and my business and those going through my program. So first, I've talked about this on the show before, so I'll just briefly talk about this. For my programs, I have a 60-day refund policy where I will give you a full refund. However, you have to show your work. 
You have to actually do the work. And after you've done the work and you literally have gone through my program and implemented, if you're still not satisfied, then I give a refund. And the reason I started to do this is I thought, wait a second, if someone gets in my program, it's a lot. Like I do a lot of step-by-step, a lot of in the trenches, do the work with them. And if they don't do that, I could never get them results. So if they're asking for a refund before they do the work, it's just not fair because I can't deliver on my promise if you don't get in there and do the work. So once I realized, wait a second, there's a flaw here. I made it really specific. Now here's where I messed up. In my early days, when I decided to make sure that people had to do the work, I wasn't incredibly specific about what work do you need to do? And so my assistant at the time, Travinia, she came to me and said, we're having a problem. If people ask for a refund and I say, well, you've got to do the work, I need to show them exactly what work they need to do. We were a little vague on what do the work meant. So now we totally spell it out. We tell them exactly based on what I teach in the program, what they have to do and what they have to show us and how they're going to show us. We actually have a system set up where they email us all of their work so we can review it. And so we had to go the extra mile and put all of this in place before we expected people to jump through all these hoops before they're able to get a refund. So we had to do some work on our end to make it more clear. Now, ever since I've done that, one thing that's really important is that I tell everybody before they buy, I have a very strict refund policy and it's not easy to get a refund in my program. And I tell them why about the fact that I can't get them any of the results they want if they don't do the work. And then I tell them, you can go read about my refund policy, but this is it in a nutshell. I talk about that on the webinar. I talk about that if someone is going to buy on a Facebook Live and I've discussed the program, I definitely talk about my strict refund policy. So it's very clear before anybody buys. So that's one thing. Another thing that moving on from my own refund policy My friend Marie Forleo of B-School, she has a refund policy of two weeks. So this is a question I get asked a lot. Like, how long should my refund policy be? 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Well, Marie Forleo has two weeks and she allows you basically to try out the program for two weeks and you decide if it's right for you. Now, I've noticed that over the years, she's gone through a few different refund policies, like trying out different things. And she stuck with this one for a while. So obviously it's working well where she allows you just to go through it just a little bit, just enough to know if it's right for you. And that means you get at least 10 training videos before the two weeks are up, plus tons of these worksheets that she put together. So you get access to a lot. By two weeks, you should know if you're in it or not. Now, I don't know all the particulars around that two weeks. I didn't look into it that deep. But the reason why I wanted to explain it to you here is because you don't have to do 30 days or 60 days. You just have to decide What is enough time for my students to get a really good taste about what this program is and how they can implement it? So Marie and I have different philosophies. I want someone to go through the whole thing and implement and then decide, because I feel like if you go through my whole program and implement, you're going to get results, even just small results. If you're kind of struggling in the beginning, which I always struggle in the beginning, so I'm sensitive to that. But even if you just get a little taste of it, you could see the potential where Marie's is a little bit different, where she's going to let you in for two weeks. You decide after the two weeks if you're in it and you want to continue or not. Her refund policy is tiny, like tiny. I'm going to guess. I know just enough because I'm a partner. I'm going to guess it's less than mine. So if mine's a little less than 3%, I think hers is even lower. I know that because I've sold a lot of her programs and I rarely ever get a refund. Now, it's not because of her refund policy. I think it's because of the program is stellar. Those first two weeks will knock your socks off. But there's another reason why I think her refund policy is so small. And I'm going to get to that in the next strategy. So we'll get to that in a second. So 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, that's usually what we see. But I even have a friend who has a zero refund policy. At least she did a year ago when I went through one of her programs. And that's Nikki Elledge Brown. So Nikki has a program about copywriting. It's exceptional. I love Nikki. And when I heard that she actually doesn't give refunds, I thought, well, that's ballsy. Like, oh my gosh, but I loved it. And here's the thing. I don't care what your refund policy is. The magic in a refund policy and the success that comes from it is how you explain it. 
You have to communicate it in a way that your audience gets it. Whether you don't offer a refund policy or it's 90 days, I don't care what it is, you have to explain it so that people understand why you're offering what you're offering. I think that's the most important thing. Now, here's the greatest thing. If you're like me and you like to do research, go read other people's refund policies. See what they're doing. When someone offers a new program, dig a little bit deeper and see what that policy looks like. That will help you decide what's going to work for you. And you can always change it. Once you do another launch, you can change that refund policy for the new students. I think it's so important that you figure out what works best for you. If you don't want to do 90 days because you think that's going to freak you out, you're going to worry for 90 days all about it. Don't do 90 days. I always like to remind myself and my students, and quite honestly, my husband, Hobie, reminds me of this all the time. "Uh, Babe, it's your business. You're the boss. You get to decide what you're going to do. Whenever I'm complaining about something in my business, he reminds me that I get to do this business every single day and I get to make the decisions. And so just make sure that whatever you decide, you feel good about it. You feel really solid in that refund policy decision. Okay. So moving on to number two, this is a big one. Actually, I think this might be even better than the whole conversation around the refund policy, although we needed to start there. And that is that I think everybody, whether you have a service, a program, a product, whatever it might be, everybody doing business online should have a new member onboarding email sequence. And I've talked about all of this stuff throughout my entire podcast, just not in one place this much. So that's why I wanted to hit home with it. But the new member onboarding email sequence changed my business. So basically, what is it? It is an email sequence that you create usually in advance, but the first time, first few times I did it, I was literally writing my emails the night before they went out. So be patient with yourself. You'll get there. But what happens is that the minute someone buys, you should be sending them a welcome email. And I love a welcome email that says, okay, welcome to the program. You've made a great decision. Here's why. Here's what to do next. And if you can put the link to your member site and the specific login details for that person in that welcome email, to me, that is the best experience you can give them. I know not everybody can do that based on the platform you are using for your member site. And it took us a while to figure it out. It basically is like this weird import that we had to do with Infusionsoft and I think Wishlist Member. And I think we used one other tool. It wasn't the easiest thing we've ever done, but we figured it out. And so now when you join my program, you get an email that says, here's your login details. So I love doing it that way. If you can figure it out, it's worth the time and effort to figure that out versus here's the other way people do it the platform you're using, let's say it's wishlist member versus wishlist member sending an email to your student saying, hi, here's the login details. I hate those emails. I think they're impersonal. And I don't think that they set you up from day one in a good position to be their leader. So I just am biased and kind of can get on my high horse about that one, but that's how I feel. Okay. So you start the email sequence off with that welcome email. And then basically you look at how long it's going to take someone to go through your program. And I think you should be sending them an email every single week. And those emails every single week, as they're going through your program, they do three things. They encourage your students to keep moving forward. They inspire your students to know that this is doable and they can do it and they inform your students. So if they need to know anything, if they need an update, whatever, these emails will do that. And I typically love to use stories and examples to inspire and encourage along the way. I make them really personal. I let my personality shine through. I make them casual, but really the message with the new member email sequence is, Hey, I'm with you on this journey. You're not alone. And you know, doing anything on business, it can feel really lonely. So you're saying you're not alone. Now I believe that my new member onboarding sequences are stellar. Some of them are 10 weeks long because I know it's going to take people a significant amount of time to start implementing and getting things up and running. They go out once a week and they have definitely decreased my refund rate. So once I implemented these, I saw a significant decline in refunds. So I think everybody should have them. And again, what I mentioned earlier, so you really understand is that when I first started doing these, I wasn't ready with a new member onboarding sequence. So every Sunday I literally was writing them and then they would go out every Monday. 
And they're really important when you're dripping content. So we're going to talk about this idea of dripping the content versus giving it all at once. I'm going to wrap up this episode with that conversation. But if you're dripping content, you have to have an email every single week that says, okay, your new module is ready for you. And that's a great opportunity to then give a story or an example. And if you can, every single email you send, I would say in the PS, and just to make it easy for you, here's the URL to go to your member site and here's your login details. I love that. How many times have you searched for login details of a program? Imagine if every week you were getting a new email encouraging you to keep moving forward. And by the way, here's your login details just to make it easy. I love it. Now, one thing that Marie did really well during B-School is that on one of her very final emails during the new member onboarding sequence, she told this story of when she was a Nike, I don't even know what you call it, forgive me, Marie, but like a Nike dancer. She was on the Nike team and they would do these big fitness expos and she would be up on stage doing workouts and dancing and all this stuff. I totally did not do that justice. I apologize. But that's not the point of my story. My point of my story is she put herself in the email to tell a story about she was at one of these Nike experiences and she was dead tired and she was exhausted and she had zero left in her. And then she thought, I've got to finish strong. I've got to get the energy to do this. So she talked about that experience. And the whole thing was about, you're at the very end. Do not give up now. See how the stories just make it so much more fun to talk about moving your students to that finish line. So I want us all to think about those stories that we can take from our own lives or our students' lives and encourage others to get to the finish line. Because you know, like the number one challenge with an online training course is people don't finish it. So the new member onboarding sequence can definitely help get your students to the finish line. So you decide how many emails you want to send and how often, but I just wanted to give you a taste of what that would look like. Okay. Number three, a members only Facebook group. Heck, I don't even need to talk about this. I will link to the episode where I talk about my experience with paid groups. Basically, I call them paid Facebook groups because if you pay to be in one of my programs, you get access to a private Facebook group for members only. This is a game changer. I cannot do any more programs without having these Facebook groups. And if for some reason, Facebook groups aren't popular a year from now, I'll find another way to do this. But I love that they have a community and I love that I do Facebook lives in the groups. And here's a little hint. If you are a member of my program, List Builders Lab, we're updating the program this summer. So if you're already a member, you get all the new stuff. And I'm going to be more active in your private Facebook group. So right now I'm only active in courses that convert and and webinars that convert. And then of course my B-School bonus group. So I'm in there all the time doing videos every single week and answering questions. My List Builders Lab is a lower price point product. And so I have a community manager that's in there. But we did a survey and that's the number one thing you all want. So you will definitely see me more in the group. I'll give you more details this summer, but... I'm coming for you. Okay. So a private Facebook group for members only game changer episode number 146. I talk about this in length. You got to do it. Okay. Number four, this is one that most people don't talk about because I think that there's a lot of courses on how to create a course, but there's not a lot of courses that get into the content that you should be creating inside your course. And so inside my program, Courses That Convert, I talk a lot about the content creation. And one little tip I give to my students that I'm going to give to all of you is build in action items in your content, your actual course. And they're action items such as, okay, for my Courses That Convert members, on day one, I say, declare your completion date. When will your course be up and running? Look at the calendar, be realistic, choose the date. Now go into our private Facebook group and post the date. Just publicly tell everybody that's also going through this program when you're going to complete the program. And it's important to get them to commit and take action so that they're really doing something. Inside my webinars that convert program, I have my students choose their game on song. So choose the song that you're just going to play just for yourself and your earbuds to get you in state, ready to crush your webinar. 
Mine is Don't Stop Believing by Journey. I think most of you know that, but I never go into a live webinar without hearing that in my earbuds first so that I can get ready for the webinar. And so I have my students make little decisions and big decisions like this, but I have them make decisions to move them forward in my program. Those are two little simple ones, but you can do bigger action items that you want them to do as well. So create action items inside of your content to move your students forward. Number five, again, remember, all of these are in the PDF freebie today, so you do not need to take notes. And we've added a little extra so that you can decide which one's best for your business. But number five is prepare your customer support with the details they need to save the refund. This is very similar to what I talked about in customer support during the launch. You need to make sure that your customer support can answer a bunch of questions about your product when you're launching. But on the flip side of that, now that they've purchased, your customer support is going to be the first people that will get the email I don't think I'm right for this. I think I bought it a little bit too early. I don't see this and this in the program. I thought she'd teach it differently. I would like a refund. Even when I have a solid refund policy, we still get these emails. We don't honor them because that's not inside of the policy, but we still get these emails. And we're not going to write back, sorry, Charlie, you do not get a refund. You didn't read our policy. We're never, ever going to do that. So I make sure that my team has the information they need to beat out these objections because really they are fears. So when the fears and the lack of confidence and I'm not right for the program, it's too early or any other excuse they could give, it usually comes back to, I'm freaked out that I can't do this. So I make sure that my support team has the responses they need and just the information they need in general to support these people. So that even though I'm not going to give them a refund, they're not just going to say, well, I just lost out on a thousand bucks and they're just abandoned the program. I want them back in the program, re-energized, believing in themselves that they can do it and actually get the work done. There's a whole different conversation there, right? So for you, it might be different than in my situation where we're not going to give the refund, but we're encouraging them to get back in the program and giving them the tools and the mindset they need to do so. For you, it might mean that you really are just need to save that refund. Does your customer support team have the information, the responses they need, just the tools they need to save a refund? And if they don't, sit down and work on that. Talk to your customer support team. It might be just one person. For me, it's Kate. I would talk to Kate and say, what are you hearing? Why are people asking for a refund? And then I need to sit and craft some responses and teach Kate, okay, this is what you need to tell them when this question or concern comes up. And so I want to do it out of integrity. So I really want to make sure she knows what the real issue is and how to address it. So that's a big one that I think most of us are not taking advantage of. You can save that refund if you give that person the time to be heard and you give them the information they need to jump back in the program and feel supported. Okay. Number six, create a refund survey. I did this. I actually showed the survey inside of my courses that convert program. But when somebody asks for a refund and you honor it, you really want to make sure that they know, hey, no hard feelings. I understand if the program's not right for you, I don't want to take your money, but I would love it if you gave me just a few minutes to help me make my program better and help me make sure I'm attracting the right people to the program. So if you'd give me three to five minutes, I would love to hear your feedback. I would find it incredibly valuable. So if you approach it in that way, likely people are going to fill out a really short survey. Don't ask too many questions. Make sure there's one or two open-ended questions so you actually hear from them in their own words, but then a few, you know, multiple choice and you could learn so much. I've actually changed my Profit Lab program years ago based on the responses from my refund survey. So it's incredibly insightful. And then finally, the last one, number seven, to wrap up the rescuing refund strategies. This is an easy one to listen to, but I don't think everyone does it. And that is you have to deliver on your promises. If you are promising specific bonuses, are you delivering them in the timeframe that you promised you would deliver them? Are you doing your Q&A calls? I have a friend that recently launched a program and she didn't have that many people join the program. So she was kind of feeling defeated anyway. 
And then she said she got a refund request and she was just devastated. She's like, oh my gosh, I hardly have anyone in the program. Now someone wants a refund. And so we said, okay, have you delivered on your promises? Have you given all the bonuses? Have you done your weekly Q and A's? Well, no, because this or that, or there's not that many people even paying attention. Unacceptable. You've got to deliver on everything you promise. And by the time you promised it, Now, let's say you can't. I recently had this situation where one of my B-School bonuses that I promised, it was called the Profit Plan Reality Check. I promised it on a certain date and not every one of my B-School members got it because it was a 48-hour bonus. You had to purchase by a certain time and then you would get this one extra bonus. And I promised it at a certain time, but then I realized I wanted to make the bonus better. I had gotten this idea and I thought, I want to really add that. It would completely enhance the bonus but I need some time to work on it. So basically we went out to my B-School bonus members and said, look, we need a little bit more time for this bonus. Instead of this date, we're going to deliver it on this date and we promise it's going to be extra good. So I hated doing that, but at the same time I knew if I communicated with them and they had tons of other content they still needed to get to. So I didn't feel that bad. I knew that they were inundated with the B-School program, but as long as I communicated it, I felt good about it. And that's what's important. So overall, it's the communication, setting expectations, and delivering on your promises. you got to do it. And so what helps you is before you actually launch, make sure that you have on your calendar when you're going to complete everything and deliver everything. So a lot of the times when I promise on bonuses during B-School, I actually create them after B-School has launched. I make them really personal. I redo them every single year. So on my calendar, we have all the due dates. So I know I'm spending probably a full month delivering, creating, putting together all of the B-School bonuses. But if I didn't have them on my calendar, I'd miss every single one of those deadlines. So you got to deliver on your promises because that's when word of mouth becomes really strong. When I hear people say, Amy delivered on every single promise, I'm like beaming. And I've heard it many times. And it's like one of my things that I'm most proud about. So I want that for you as well. So it's all about integrity, of course. And I'm sure you've got a lot of it. So that one probably you got in the bag. Now, before we wrap up, we're into the final stretch. I want to talk to you about this concept of dripping your content versus not dripping your content and giving it all away at once, because this definitely does affect saving the sale. People will jump in and jump out when they learn how you're going to deliver the content, but even more so it affects refunds. So first of all, when you drip the content, that means you're giving content away week by week. So each week you're likely releasing a new module and this gives you the opportunity to email your students and say, okay, a new module has been released. Here's what you can expect. Here's what I want you to do. Keep this in mind. You can inspire, educate. So your new member onboarding sequence basically becomes notification of a new module coming out and then some extra information. Or you could give it all at once and then people can go at their own pace. There are pros and cons to both of these. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But basically, you need to experiment, I think, with both. And I do believe that dripping your content is probably the smartest decision because when somebody gets into your program and they see all of your videos, all of your cheat sheets and checklists, everything, it could feel like they're instantly drinking from a fire hose. And remember, confusion and overwhelm lead to people saying, this program's not right for me. So it's easy to overwhelm your students when you give it all at once. So Marie Forleo with B-School, she drips the content. Every single week you get a new module. And I think Jeff Walker with his program, I've heard him talk about dripping content and I think he drips his as well. And he mentioned that it's like you're in a college class and you're showing up to class every single week. This is advanced content. You don't want to ingest it all at once, but you want to tackle it piece by piece. And so I really do believe that content creators and educators are doing a huge service to their students by dripping the content and following them on the journey. When you're doing live launches, this makes most sense because you always know where your students are in the program because you've only released a certain amount of content. And it makes sense with the refund policy. When you're dripping the content, 
Like for B-School, Marie's only released the first two modules and the refund policy is for the first two weeks. After you get the first two weeks, you decide if you're in or you're out, but you haven't seen any of the other content. So it's all protected from those people that are going to eventually ask for a refund. So I like that whole concept. I love the idea of dripping from a course creator standpoint. However, I don't drip my content. And I know some of you are like, but Amy, you don't drip. If you're my student, you know this. And the reason for that is I have dripped my content in the early years and I got so much feedback from my students. I mean, tons of feedback that they just want it all at once because they want to go at their own pace. Now, as a course creator, that makes me nervous because I know some of you get into my program, you see all those videos and all of those cheat sheets and checklists, and you're like, holy cow, Amy, this is a lot. And right away, if you feel that overwhelm, I'm thinking in my head, I know this is why I wanted to drip it. But because so many of you want to go at your own pace, I want to have that available for you. And to tell you quite honestly, I like when I'm going through a program, I actually like to get the whole thing as well. I recently joined a program totally unrelated to online marketing. It was more about eating clean and they drip the content. And as a course creator, I love that. And they communicated really well about when the content was going to be created. But when I bought it, I was ready to dive in. I had the time to focus on it. I had like a two week period that it was a little bit of a slower time for me. So I was ready. Well, the content actually didn't even get going until about two weeks. And once they started to drip it, I was deep into another project. I had lost focus on what I had just purchased and I haven't even gone through the content yet. I hate to admit that, but it's true. Now, the good news is I have it on my calendar when I get to go through it and actually focus on it. So I had to schedule it to make it real, but I just lost that window. So there is something to be said about someone just joining. They're super excited. So get them going when they're excited. Now, thinking about B-School, I know I use that as an example a lot here because it's just ending at the time of this recording, but Marie does a great job of giving you some bonus content, getting you in the course from day one. And that's important. If you're going to drip make sure that there's something that they get to go through that's valuable. Not your intro videos of who you are and what you're about, not the welcome video, but I mean like bonus content they they can sink their teeth into so they feel like they're making progress on day one when they're most excited. So I just wanted to share that with you because I do not drip my content. I see the benefits of dripping your content, but if you don't drip your content and you give it all at once, you have to do an exceptional job of making sure people know how to navigate, making sure you have an easy to use member site, you have a welcome video, the welcome email explains to them where to start, and you do a very good job of not letting them get overwhelmed. You talk about the overwhelm, you squash those objections and fears, and you just make sure that they feel supported along the way. But quite honestly, I think that making sure they feel supported along the way is important for either drip content or not drip. So there's pros and cons. I wanted to explain to you why I do what I do. Talk to you about why I love the whole idea of drip. I think you should experiment. Do one launch where you drip, do another one where you don't drip and see which one works best for you and your students. So very important. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap up. This was a long one. I had a lot to cover. And because of that, you are going to love the freebie. amyporterfield.com forward slash 158 download. Or you can text the phrase 158 download to the number 33444. Either way, it will take you right to the freebie. Sign up, grab it, save it on your computer. And when you are ready to launch the next time, I want you to choose two or three of these strategies and implement them inside of your team to save the sale and rescue the refund. I think, my friends, it is time for you to get scrappy in the trenches, do whatever it takes to make sure that you are supported in your business and your students are supported as well. I cannot wait to see you again next week. I've got so much good content coming your way. We've been planning and planning with my entire podcast team. We are so excited for what's to come. So I will see you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 